friendly trainers. Welcome to another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Them All is Taken. I'm recording this at 2 a.m. because it is the only chance I have before Friday to do this. So just a couple things I want to talk about before getting into it, just for the heck of it. So I'm probably going to shift to doing four episodes of the anime per podcast episode because uh, I did a little bit of math and it turns out that if I don't do four per episode, it's going to take me like six years to do this. It's going to take five just doing four per episode. And that's not even counting what might come out later. Like, this could go on for many a year, and I need to just get rolling on this. Um, other fun things, just in my life. Um, I completed Ring Fit last night. I am one of the few people I know that has actually done that, and I just I just feel really proud of myself, you know? I just wanted to share that. I want to brag a little bit, because uh, it's just cool to me. I did it. I completed the Ring Fit. Also, earlier today was the Nintendo Direct, where they revealed a lot of fun stuff about, like, Kirby and Splatoon 3 and Project Triangle strategy. And it kind of stinks because the two things I'm most excited for, none of my friends really care about too much. I would love to talk about Xenoblade 3, and I would especially love to talk about the Fire Emblem Warriors game. Like, I am so excited for that. It looks like it's going to be a golden route that, like, kind of follows Age of Calamity's idea, where people maybe go back in time and fix things before they get really bad. And and I just want to see my favorite murder babies have a happy ending instead of murdering each other. Just remember, Dimitri doesn't just kill women. He murders them. I'm also just really hyped for the music, like... Fire Emblem Warriors, Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors, they all had such good remixes of the songs, and Three Houses OST is already god-tier, so I am just so excited for this new version of these songs that I, like, listen to for the fun of it to possibly be made even better. It is just really exciting to me, and I sadly can't talk about it to anyone because I am the only one in my friend group that likes Fire Emblem. So that's right, I'm making all of you listen to me ramble instead. Deal with it, it's my show. (laughs) And also leading into the first episode, I realized I forgot to do the blurb for the episode, last podcast episode. I really need to come up with better words for these. So I'm going to start doing the blurbs again or trying to remember them. Uh, If you guys feel like commenting, just, just let me know if you enjoy the blurbs or if I should stop them or improve them or deprove them somehow. Just, just let me know. All right. Let's jump right into episode 4, Challenge of the Samurai. So the synopsis for this episode is that while traveling through the forest, Ash is challenged by a bug-using samurai. But things quickly get problematic when a swarm of beedrill start to chase after the group and kidnap Ash's new metapod. Alright, so the episode starts out by Misty freaking out because she saw another bug. In the forest. Where bugs live. And then Misty's like, ew, what, like, what bug is that, ew? And Ash is like, maybe it's a cowderpee. Maybe it's a cowderpee. And it comes out of nowhere because the original Japanese has, like, a play on words with bug and cow sounding similar. So they had Ash just, like, pop up in a cow suit. But, like, the English dub had to do something with that because they couldn't justify cutting it. So they had to go, oh, it's a cowderpee. So a weedle walks up to Ash all cutely, and Ash is like, You can't expect a great Pokemon master to just let a weedle get away without catching it. And he lets the weedle get away without catching it. He's also like, Oh, right, you gotta battle and weaken it first. Pikachu, help me out. And then Pikachu's just, like, sleeping on the little futon because he's not dealing with this. 
A weedle crawls up on Misty's leg, does a very questionable motion, and she flips out, unsurprisingly. Ash then sends out his Pidgeotto, so he clearly plans on actually killing this bug. Misty then huffs away on her own for some reason, and is attacked by a ten-year-old dressed as a samurai with an actual katana who actually almost stabs her in the face. Behold, this is our first trainer of the day! For those that don't know, Trainer of the Day is pretty much what it says on the box. It is a trainer that appears just for that episode, just to provide some plot progression or conflict or explain what a certain Pokemon is. And it is a trend that just through the whole series happens. And it's it's justifiable. There are a lot of Pokemon trainers. There's a very small chance you'll see them again. And they need some way to have it just not be the main trio, and Team Rocket constantly. They need to mix it up a little bit. The samurai then says he's looking for a trainer from Pallet Town, and tells Misty not to scream so much unless she wants to attract the Beedrill Swarm, despite it being his fault for her screaming because he lunged at her with a sword. He then leaves. Cut back to Ash, and Pidgeotto still has not beaten this Weedle, but finally actually lands the final blow. Right before Ash catches it, the samurai otaku finally finds him and confirms Ash is from Palatown, and then also swings his actual, real, genuine katana at this other ten-year-old, almost slashing his face as well. The samurai demands a battle, and Ash realizes that the unconscious Weedle is running away, then completely whiffs an easy Pokeball throw and refuses to chase after the slow-moving caterpillar. Ash then justifiably blames the samurai for distracting him, and the samurai is like, No, it is your fault, because your Pokemon handling is dim-witted and clumsy. Don't blame your failure on me. Your Pokemon handling is dim-witted and clumsy. Which, no, I'm on Ash's side for this one. The Weedle getting away had nothing to do with his trainering. He beat that Weedle no problem. Ash then throws out his Pidgeotto right after recalling it, and it comes out all tired. Because, you know, I guess fighting a caterpillar was that draining. Then the samurai's like, eh, only a novice goes into battle with a pooped-out Pokemon. Your blunder will cost you dearly. Only a novice goes into battle with a pooped-out Pokemon. Your blunder will cost you dearly. And then he sends out a pincer. So the pincer uses tackle against Pidgeotto and beats it. Except that pincer can't learn tackle. This is actually the first of a surprising amount of Pokemon using tackle that actually can't learn tackle. I guess it's just because they didn't really have many other moves to use, and like later they just had more to play with, but... Gen 1 had, like, 10 moves. So Ash sends out Metapod in desperation. Pinsir tries to pinch it, but Metapod hardens at the last second and breaks its pinching claw things. So the samurai then recalls his pincer and sends out his own Metapod. Both trainers tell their Metapod to get harder. Metapod, harden like his! Maximum hardness, Metapod! There's a joke here somewhere that lesser Pokemon trainers would hang on, but I'm a better person than that, so I'm gonna move past it. Samurai's is weakening! Harder! You're the stronger Metapod! Their hardening battle continues for actual hours. Misty and Pikachu are getting a tan in the meantime. Ash's Metapod should and later does prove that it knows Tackle since it evolved from a Caterpie, so... Ash is just doing this for fun, I guess? It then cuts to Team Rocket walking around with a giant cardboard tank to avoid Beedrill Stings. This is actually kind of the first real time in the anime they're shown as comedic instead of menacing, and it's just a change that will stick with them for the rest of their lives. Immediately switching back to the battle, both trainers collapse from exhaustion and muscle stiffness. Misty then yells for no reason and attracts a beedrill swarm, thanks Misty, causing Samurai to book it without helping the other kids. Ash then wastes precious time he could be running to have his Pokedex explain what a beedrill is. 
One Beedrill then just immediately dives for and kidnaps Metapod. Like, that is a bee with a mission. It did not hesitate. Ash then continues to show how bad he is aiming by whiffing every single shot to return Metapod to his Pokeball. Misty grabs Ash and runs, and they catch up to the samurai whose chubby otaku legs can't move that fast. The group outrun the swarm but come across a giant tree with Ash's Metapod and a bunch of Kakuna, which then evolve and hatch into Beedrill at coincidentally the worst possible moment, and then they immediately chase the group again with Fury in their genes. The samurai then lets them into their cabin after they outrun the swarm. Why a ten-year-old is living in a cabin in the forest is anyone's guess. The samurai then blames Ash for leaving Metapod behind, despite him and Misty also running from the Beedrill that were visibly out for blood. Samurai then fondly reminisces about battling the other Pallet Town trainers and then continues to say how Ash is more like trash. <laughs> Got him! Feeling offended at this, Ash sneaks off in the morning to go rescue Metapod, despite him most likely being more successful at night when the bugs are asleep. However, his plan is immediately ruined by Team Rocket showing up. Do you know what a Meowth's favorite game is? That's a line that happened, I guess. This is also actually the first time that they say, Prepare for trouble, and make it double. Ash desperately tries to warn them about the Beedrill, but they get mad at him for interrupting and keep talking louder and louder, and then set off fireworks, so the Beedrill just charge at them. Ash then charges at the Beedrill, hoping to duck under them and have them attack Team Rocket, and it works. Team Rocket desperately tries to use the tank they brought, but the wheel have eaten through it, so Team Rocket is dead. That's it, they are just dead. Their heart is skewered by a Beedrill Stinger. Ash tries to put Metapod in their Pokeball, but they refuse, and Ash, not really realizing that they don't really have a choice because Metapod can't move, decides to just pick them up and run instead. He then explains that he got sidetracked, but then trips and lets out a really wimpy scream and drops Metapod. It was all Samurai's fault! Ah! Ash finally learns to accept the blame as his own, despite it not actually being his fault. Then the Beedrill charges at him and Metapod jumps in front of it, breaking its stinger and then evolving into a Butterfree. Dang, that was fast, dude. That was like two days. Oh, and also Misty and the Samurai and Pikachu are there too. They just kind of show up. The Beedrill also show up again, and Butterfree speaks gibberish to Ash and he goes, Yeah. Butterfree uses sleep powder on all the Beedrill, and they are just absolutely helpless to stop this. Like, none of them are able to attack this butterfly, I guess, and they all just fall asleep. Samurai then says that Ash handled Butterfree well, despite him only telling it to do one move. The Samurai then sees Ash and Misty off with a newfound respect, despite Ash not really doing anything to earn it. Like, obviously it's not Ash's fault, but the Samurai, like, had this grudge against Ash for being a bad trainer, and... Ash didn't do anything to remove that doubt. He told Butterfree to use sleep powder once. Ash then promises to meet Samurai again. He never will. It's probably for the best, but it'd actually be fun to see him in like a Journeys episode or something one day. And the scene right before the credits is Team Rocket trapped with the Kakuna and makeshift little cocoon outfits, and then they get murdered by Beedrill. End of episode! Woo! I honestly think that my main gripe with this episode is just that it's like such a random first trainer of the day. They look like a design that would have appeared in the middle of Gen 1, not the very beginning. Like when they're starting to run out of generic trainers, they send the samurai out to like kind of perk people up again. But no, they are just throwing all guns in the beginning. I also just kind of remember this episode in a weird way because I never watched this one as a kid, but I had like this origami pop-up 
sort of thing where it was like a flat sheet, but you unfolded it and it told the story of this episode. And it was actually really cool. And I'm sad I don't have it anymore. But that is how I watched this episode, I guess you could say, when I was younger. Because I certainly didn't watch the actual anime episode. I just didn't for some reason. It just never aired. All in all, it's a pretty basic episode because, you know, everyone hates Ash. That's kind of the standard right now, and that's what happens. This whole episode is just one kid hating Ash. It's only really important because Metapod evolves into Butterfree, and Butterfree's actually a pretty big player at the start of Gen 1. Like, he is seen very frequently. It's a less fun example of early installment weirdness because it's just odd, but not in, like, an amusing way. Just odd in the, okay, I get it way. Moving on, it's time for Episode 5, Showdown in Pewter City. Synopsis. Ash arrives in Pewter City and learns of gym battles that will allow him to compete in the prestigious Pokemon League. He challenges and struggles against the Pewter Gym Leader Brock, while a mysterious man named Flint attempts to help him win. This episode starts by Team Rocket digging a pitfall trap for Ash's group, the first of many. Then they disguise it so well they forgot where it is and fall into it themselves. They are not relevant to the plot at all. They are just stuck in this hole for the rest of this episode. Ash, Misty, and Pikachu arrive in Pewter City's outskirts and meet a rock salesman named Flint who offers to take them to the Pokemon Center. He also charges Ash for resting on his rock. By the way, that'll be a $2 charge for resting on my rocks. <laughs> while Nurse Joy is explaining that all Nurse Joys are related while also being the same person, Ash sees a poster about the Pokemon League saying that he needs eight gym badges to participate. Flint then taunts Ash, saying he'll never beat the pewter gym leader, Brock, and then has a funny laugh as he walks away. <laughs> You'll beat him. <laughs> it then cuts to Ash angrily eating with Misty, who offers to help him win the battle, which Ash refuses. Despite his refusal actually being decently nice, Misty angrily storms off, leaving Ash with the bill. In the original, it's 1,150 yen, which is about 1150 today. But the dub changes the yen symbol to a dollar leaving Ash with a $1,150 bill for two bowls of rice. Like, they didn't even add a decimal point or anything to make it more reasonable. It was just $1,000 for rice. After that, Ash, who I assume ran away without paying, goes to challenge Brock, who is much more menacing compared to his later appearances. Ash then also says that he's been traveling for about two weeks, which is very important because... Like, later in the series, people are convinced Ash never ages, but by the end of Gen 1, at least a year has passed. Canonically, they say so. So I'm convinced that Ash is just a young-looking guy. Like, I think he's 16 or 17 currently in the anime or something like that. But people just assume that he's always 10 because I don't think they say his age later? I wouldn't swear to that, though. I don't remember. After accepting Ash's challenge, Brock triggers the gym battle floor to come out of both sides of the wall, nearly crushing Ash. Like, dude, what the heck? That was really unnecessary. Just everyone hates Ash. Ash has his Pikachu fight Brock Sonics, who, just to speed this up, loses horribly because electric attacks don't work on ground types. Big shock. <laughs> I see what I did there. Ash tries to recall Pikachu into his Pokeball, which is, I think, one of the only times in the entire series where that happens. But unfortunately he misses, so he just forfeits to stop Brock from killing Pikachu. Leaving the gym all sad and stuff, Ash runs into Flint, who Ash just sort of trusts and goes to his house. Flint explains that Brock is looking after his many siblings, after his father ran off to become a Pokemon master and his mother died. His mom dying was actually specific to the dub, and is later just proven completely false because Brock's mom appears multiple times later in the series. 
Flint, offering to help, takes Ash to a dried-up water mill to have it charge up Pikachu, where Ash manually runs on the water wheel to do so. Misty then shows up out of absolutely nowhere. I don't know how she knew where Ash is or what she was doing since she stormed off earlier, but who cares? She agrees to help again, Ash refuses again, Misty gets upset again, and it's never brought up again. Pikachu then electric blows up the mill. Challenging Brock again, he sends out Geodude while Ash sends out his Pidgeotto, who is knocked out in a grand total of 30 seconds. Ash then sends out Pikachu, which he should have done to begin with, who zaps Geodude to a crisp immediately, representing the people who grinded before this fight in the game, but only with their starter. Brock then sends out Onix again. Pikachu's zaps go haywire, causing some lights to explode, but Pikachu actually does zap Onix, which defies all type effectiveness the games have, and actually damages it. Unfortunately for Ash, it's still not enough, and Pikachu is nearly killed again before Brock stops the match to avoid actually killing Pikachu. Suddenly, the fire from the exploded lights causes the sprinkler system to go off, coating Onyx in water and letting Pikachu zap it extra good this time. They never address the fire, I'm just going to assume that the sprinkler system actually put it out. Right as Ash is about to deliver the final blow, he stops at the last second, saying that he's imagining his conscience as Brock's siblings holding him back before opening his eyes and realizing that they are all actually physically grabbing onto and holding him back. Despite all of the other Pallet Town trainers, or at the very least Gary, already beating Brock, it's really weird that his siblings have such a problem with Brock losing only to Ash. Because I guess they hate Ash that much, where they're like, it is an extreme dishonor if Brock loses to you. Because everyone hates Ash. All of Brock's siblings say how much Brock cares about his Onyx, and that he doesn't want to see it get hurt. Ash then recalls that Brock showed Pikachu the same mercy less than two minutes ago, and forfeits the match again, saying that he only would have won because of the sprinklers and that it wouldn't have counted. As Ash is leaving, Brock chases him down and presents him with the boulder badge, saying that he believes Ash won. Brock goes on to explain that he'd rather raise Pokemon than battle them, but can't follow his dream due to having to run the gym and care for his family. But then suddenly, Flint appears and reveals himself to be Brock's father, who couldn't return home after failing his Pokemon Master Quest. He agrees to take over the gym and family again, so Brock can follow his dream. You know, what a good dad should do. Brock, instead of justifiably telling his deadbeat father off, lists all of the tasks that he needs to take care of the kids. Susie always rips her dresses, so you better learn how to sew. And Timmy only eats cold spaghetti for breakfast. Tommy likes cornflakes for dinner. Slow down, slow down, I can't write that fast. Cindy sleepwalks, so you have to tie a bell on her wrist. The twins never want to take a bath, so you have to... So, now freed from the shackles of responsibility, Brock sets off with the group, causing Ash to remark that it'll be nice to have someone to talk to. Brock asks about Misty, causing her, following at a slight distance, to yell about her bike again. Ash and Brock then try to ditch her, with Misty chasing after. The anime then cuts to Team Rocket, having not done anything the last 20 minutes, finally climbing out of their hole. Which is, in-universe, I think about two days after they fell in. They're then run over by the main group, causing them to fall right back down into it and starve and die. End episode! Woo! I know people rag on this episode a lot. It's kind of the start of the Generation 1 trend of Ash just being given a badge even if he loses, but I kind of like it. It actually establishes a concrete goal that Ash has for the main series, because before this, he's just roaming around the woods trying to catch Pokemon. Now he's like, oh, actually, screw catching them, I'm just gonna battle. Which, as Journey's later shows, with Go doing the catching part, the battling part is way more entertaining. It also, even though it's not really apparent until later in the series, actually starts Ash's unintentional character growth. 
Like, in the beginning, he's this selfish, spoiled, annoying brat that everyone hates, justifiably. But later on, he becomes, like, more knowledgeable, more kind, and people rag on him a lot less. Which is obviously due to changes in writing and changing in the dubbing staff, where they took a less sarcastic approach to everything and started doing it a lot more deadpan. But it does kind of actually give Ash this character growth that transitions throughout the entire series. It's kind of incredible because no one really notices this because it's so gradual over so many years. And I think this episode is the starting point of that. This is where Ash, like, acknowledges Pokemon are important, acknowledges kindness, and while it doesn't really stick, it's kind of the starting point. This episode also introduces Brock, one of the most appearing characters besides Ash and Pikachu, and easily a fan favorite. Like, let's face it, people love Brock. Brock is a great character, he's good comedic relief, and has some of the best lines in the series unintentionally. So him also getting into the series is a good reason to like this episode. One other interesting thing to note is that, like, later in the series, gym battles will last multiple episodes. Either they'll fight outside the gym first and then make an official gym battle, or the gym battle will last for two or three episodes. But early in the series, these gym battles are quick. They are not even really the focus of the episode. They happen in, like, five minutes each. They gotta get the plot moving. They, they gotta introduce the gym, introduce the conflict, have the battle, have some resolution to the battle, and then end the episode all in like 23 minutes. So they gotta rush through these gym battles. They do not have the luxury of animation time. It actually adds this nice kind of pacing to the series where it's like they never linger on one spot or one battle too long. And I kind of appreciate that. Like, it's not until the grand finale of Gen 1, the Pokemon League, that they actually have a battle last longer. And I think it really benefits the show because gym battles in the game are really quick. And they it gives them more chance to mess around with these characters and put them in more fun situations. And... I just really like that about the old series. Long fight scenes don't appeal to me unless the animation or story is really good to back them up, which, let's face it, Pokemon does not really have. Alright, episode 6, Clefairy and the Moonstone. Synopsis. Arriving at Mount Moon, the trio help a scientist discover a group of Clefairy and their prized Moonstone. However, things take a turn for the worse when Team Rocket arrives to steal it, so the group must protect this valuable rock. The episode starts by Ash and his friends on their way to Mount Moon, while Brock talks about a meteor that landed there called the Moonstone. They then suddenly hear screaming, which is totally not Meowth's VA. Nope, completely different person. Ah! Yeah! Look! And rush over to see a scientist getting attacked by Zubat. So he's just another player going into Mount Moon without repels for the first time. Pikachu electrocutes and scares away the Zubat, and also hits the scientist as a result. The scientist happily freaks out after being saved and annoys Pikachu enough to zap him, and as a result, Ash, again. Because everyone hates Ash. The scientist then rhymes about being saved. Such friendship I thought I'd never see when the Zubat began attacking me. I thought I was done for when who should arrive to heroes thanks to whom I'm alive. The man, who calls himself Seymour the Scientist, shows the group that bright lights were put up in the tunnel by someone, which caused Zubat to go crazy, Paris to plant their mushrooms everywhere, and Sandshrew to dry up, despite them being a desert dweller. Seymour recites more poetry about the Moonstone, which he's been studying and some thieves have been targeting. He also believes that the Moonstone is actually a spaceship that carried all of the Pokemon to Earth. So, given the later creationist lore in the series, this kind of makes Seymour a Pokemon Scientologist? 
The Clefairy walks past the group and is then cornered by Meowth. Ash and co. protect the Clefairy while the rest of Team Rocket also joins in. Jesse and James send out Ekans and Coughing, while Ash and Brock send out Butterfree and Zubat. Zubat's just suddenly there because Brock claims he caught it right outside the cave, so he must have the highest sleight-of-hand modifier out of anyone I've ever seen, because not a single person saw him do it. Ash laments that he didn't catch one too. Ash also breaks his earlier rule of no double battles because it violates the league rules. <laughs> Coughing smogs up the cave, so Ash has Butterfree use Whirlwind to clear it out. Brock orders Zubat to use Double Team, but it also uses Whirlwind because it was most likely a translation error. Misty and Seymour try to get the Clefairy to safety while Meowth sneaks around in the background. Zubat confuses Team Rocket's Pokemon and then Butterfree blows them out of the cave, which means Butterfree is just shockingly strong. Meanwhile, outside of the cave, Clefairy runs up a rocky cliff while Misty and Seymour chase it. Why they don't just leave it alone, I don't know. While crossing a rock bridge, Clefairy is either pushed by or jumps off to escape from Meowth, landing on Misty and causing the confrontation to lead to a small stream of water. Meowth demands the moonstone that the Clefairy has and is immediately followed in the script by Seymour, which makes both of them being voiced by Maddie Blaustein even funnier because of how similar they sound. Give Meowth that moonstone! We can be reasonable about this. No, we can't. I know I can't expect wildly different voices, and I definitely don't blame the VA for this. It's just kind of funny. Misty then sends out Staryu, which first uses Swift on Meowth, and then Water Gun to inflate the cat, which spawned a lot of furry gifts. Meowth then water spurts away. The scene then shifts to the group camping out outside the mountain at night, with Clefairy hanging out with them. Brock explains how good his Pokemon food is, and Ash eats some and dies. Pikachu and Clefairy have a conversation, which we can't understand, before Clefairy leads them to a cave that contains the Moonstone core. Clefairy places the rock it has in a circle around the asteroid, causing the stones to glow and more Clefairy to come out and bounce dance around it. Pikachu tries to mime out what Clefairy is saying, and Ash, believing that he completely understands Pikachu no problem, initially thinks that Pikachu is saying that they do the Macarena, before finally they all figure out that the Clefairy actually pray to and worship the stone. This somehow further convinces Seymour that humans and Pokemon will ride the Moonstone into space together, even though the asteroid is like the size of two humans total. Team Rocket shows up again and Seymour tries to fist fight him off, but is immediately tripped by Meowth very pathetically. The two groups start to battle again, but Team Rocket causes a distraction that lets them somehow tunnel the asteroid out of the cave in a matter of a couple seconds, and then heft it onto a wooden sled and slide down a dry, rocky mountainside without falling it's very impressive but ignore all that because brock's onyx immediately shows up and breaks their sled onyx and coughing somehow simultaneously knock each other out despite onyx having the big advantage of being a large rock snake and seymour shows up out of onyx's tunnel with the clefairy who surround team rocket and use metronome to blast them with a giant lava eruption team rocket blasts off again and for the first time they have that little like ding star in the sky Shards of the Moonstone Core break off and evolve some of the Clefairy into Clefable. We also then get to hear this. Seymour declares that he's going to live with the Clefairy because he hopes it will help take him into space one day, while the trio heads on their way, quietly dismissing Seymour as a maniac. The group then finds a sign that gives directions to Cerulean City, and Ash becomes enraged because Gary was here. Ash is a loser is also written on it, which causes him to take off running to his next destination. 
end episode. Pew, 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 pew. Well, I mentioned earlier that the Samurai episode didn't really have that early installment weirdness that was enjoyable. This one definitely did. Because they had no idea that the series would go on for so long that they needed to make creationist lore, like, three different times. So they kind of just winged it here. If I remember right, this is actually the original concept for Pokemon. I think originally it was supposed to take place on the actual real planet Earth, which was populated by the invasive Pokemon that drove all of the native wild animals to near, if not total, extinction. This episode and the next one kind of show that this was definitely the direction that they were kind of taking at first, but it's all dumped and, in retrospect, just makes Seymour sound like actually a Scientologist, which is really funny. Uh, four episodes is rough. My throat is really starting to feel this. Episode 7, The Waterflowers of Cerulean City. Synopsis. Arriving in Cerulean City, Ash makes his way to the gym. He is surprised to learn that not only the three co-leaders are Misty's older sisters, but they're also willing to just give him the badge without battling. Misty, offended, decides to test Ash herself. Side note, this is actually the last full episode with Ted Lewis voicing James because he is replaced by Eric Stewart partway through the next episode onwards. This episode starts with the group on their way to Cerulean City, with Misty trying her best to convince Ash not to battle at the gym, to no avail. Meanwhile, later that night, Team Rocket breaks into a mechanical shop and steals a giant vacuum. Meowth says the word Pokemon kinda funny. Pokemon! When the trio gets to Cerulean, Brock and Ash notice that Misty is missing, completely dismissing it and then deciding to follow a police car they see. Ash asks a guy what happened, and he explains that the store was robbed. Officer Jenny hears him and instantly accuses Ash, a ten-year-old, and Brock, a man of color, of being suspicious. Jenny explains that she, like Joy, also has identical family members. Then, she immediately accuses the two of them of being escaped convicts and attempts to apprehend them. Honestly, very in line for the police. Thankfully, Ash shows his Pokédex as ID, while Brock shows his gym badge, which any trainer can get, and claims to be the former gym leader. Because I guess being a trainer or gym leader immediately means that you are physically incapable of committing crimes. Someone should tell that to the gym leaders in the Pokémon manga. Brock then proceeds to hit on Jenny, actually very chill and suavely. I was wondering, since I'm new in town, maybe we could get together tonight and you could show me around. While this Brock is not very funny, he doesn't last very long because he becomes the loud, love-crazy Brock we all know soon enough. Sadly, Jenny rejects him on the grounds that he is a kid. After telling bystanders key details of the case, that a vacuum and giant hose were stolen, she then rushes everyone away. Later, in the park, Ash asks Brock for advice against the gym leader, something that he outright refused from Misty when offered. Brock declines, saying something along the lines of, Honor among gym leaders. Brock then suddenly gets up and, very cryptically and forlornly, says that he has stuff to take care of in Cerulean. Well, I have some stuff I need to check out. What stuff? Just stuff. See you later. Bye! He reappears happily again at the end of the episode, and this is never elaborated on. Ash arrives at the gym and watches its gym leaders, three sisters, perform a synchronized water dance routine, confusing him thoroughly because he was like, I, I thought this was fighting, what? Oh no! While Ash is wandering around after the show, there's an aquarium filled with real fish in the background. I like to imagine that they were just filler for Pokemon that didn't exist yet, like Love Disc or Remorade or something. Ash then comes across the sisters and asks to battle the gym. The sisters decline, saying that three kids from Palatown already beat them and they really don't feel like battling anymore. And also, all they have left that's healthy is just a little bitty Goldeen. So they decide to just let him have the badge, calling over a seal to give it to him. 
Ash, sad that he won't be able to battle, is about to reluctantly take the badge before Misty interrupts and says that she'll be the one to battle Ash. Yeah! Misty's sisters then proceed to make fun of her for not being as good of a trainer, or as beautiful of a person, and explain that Misty left home to become a better trainer. Ash accepts Misty's battle. He tries to send out Pikachu, but Pikachu, being a little wuss, doesn't want to battle a friend. So Ash sends out Butterfree instead, while Misty sends out her Staryu. Ash then makes a joke to cover up a weird hermaphrodite line in the original Japanese version. Leave it to a girl to show off her jewelry. Quit stalling and let's get this show on the road! Staryu starts off doing very poorly and gets stun-spored, but washes it off in the water. Misty proudly proclaims that spores don't work if you wash them off with water, which would be kind of a cool mechanic for the game if, like, your Pokemon got hit with water gun and suddenly it lost its stats effect. That would be neat. Ash tries to have his Butterfree use sleep powder, but Staryu just dives into the water again and starts tackling from underneath it, causing Butterfree to fall in and almost drown. So Ash calls it back and sends out his Pidgeotto instead. Misty, despite clearly winning so far, recalls Staryu and sends out Starmie instead. It does the same tackle out of the water trick, but Pidgeotto gusts it away into a wall and immediately nearly knocks it out. Before Ash can land the killing strike on it, a rumbling is heard, and Team Rocket bursts in with a giant vacuum car tank thing and starts sucking up all the water in the gym because water Pokemon are useless outside of water. A blatant lie. Ash then finally connects the dots and realizes that it was Team Rocket who committed the robbery they saw earlier. Because it could have been literally anybody else that wanted a giant vacuum and hose? Come on, Ash, be real. Meowth reverses the suck and sprays everyone with a jet of water, washing them down the hallway when realistically they should have just been forced back against the wall or into the pool. He then starts sucking the water up again and begins to absorb Seal and then Pikachu. Ash then suddenly finally remembers that water conducts electricity and has Pikachu zap the pool, which then also somehow reaches all the way through the vacuum car and hits Team Rocket too. Like, this car has to be insulated with something. I don't know how it hit them. James then also says a really funny out-of-context line. It's times like these that make me want to go straight. They then fall into the pool and they're sucked into the vacuum themselves. It just leads straight outside through another hose and not into a tank like a person would actually expect. Then Seal, who is also somehow already freed, angles the hose up and shoots them into the stratosphere. Unfortunately, Pikachu is still about to be sucked up, so Ash rushes to the hose and flips it to reverse, flushing Pikachu out. It was kind of an unnecessary sequence. They could have just ended it after Team Rocket got blasted. They didn't really need that. Misty and Ash are sad that they couldn't finish their battle, with both saying that they would have won. The sisters then give Ash his Cascade badge, with Misty being upset that she wasn't the one who got it. Which really doesn't make much sense since she was fighting as the de facto gym leader, meaning that if she won it would just mean that Ash doesn't get the badge and not that she does get one. The three gym leaders then see Misty and Ash off, giving some taunting encouragement to their sister. Brock also shows up, delivers this incredible exchange. Ash! Hey man! Yo, Brocko! How'd it go? See for yourself! Cool, let's go! Right. And then leaves with Ash, once again never elaborating on what he had to do earlier or why it made him so sad. Misty then angrily rushes after them, and the three head to their next location, Vermilion City. End episode... This is another episode that really lends itself to the meme that Gen 1 Ash never actually earned most of his badges. 
so much tries to happen in this episode that it is just rapid fire, like even more than Brock's episode. And Brock's vanishing is also one of the funniest things in the whole series. People always screenshot this episode showing the real fish, and like I said, I like to imagine them as just placeholders where they're like, maybe we'll put a Pokemon here one day, we don't know, ooh. But it is actually kind of jarring to just see real animals in Pokemon, especially when you've been with the series for so long where they just like completely erase any traces of this being like our Earth and not the Pokemon Earth. This also isn't the last time we actually see a real animal. We see one at least once, I think maybe twice later. But by Orange Islands, they are just gone. It is Pokemon only. They finally decided what they wanted to do with this lore that they created. I actually kind of wish that this gym battle was longer, mainly because it's the two protagonists fighting each other. That, I think, would have been way cooler to see than just wash off the spore, wash off the spore, tackle, next Pokemon, tackle, Oops, you're thrown against a wall and dead. And that's the whole battle. Like, I summarized it in, what was that, 40 seconds? Uh, This would have definitely been better if it lent itself to a bit longer of a battle, I think. Well, that was four episodes. Um, Hopefully this format works a bit better for you and for me. Hopefully an hour isn't too much for this. I think an hour's okay. I just have the hope that it doesn't kill my throat all the time because this is actually starting to be a little bit of a nuisance. I'm sure you can actually hear it. My voice is definitely dying slightly. I'm sure I'll be fine tomorrow morning. I go to sleep in like 20 minutes. So, thank you for listening, trainers, and have a great, fantastic, super, awesome, terrific, whatever, morning, day, evening, night, outside of the boundaries of time, just whatever. Have a good one. Bye.